We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Words, words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And I talk about when we have our last words, if you and I knew a time that we were going to die, we knew that time, we had that moment, who would you talk to and what would you say? Because we are mostly remembered and family members remember us a lot by the last words we say. What was the last thing they said to you? And we hold on to it. God has been planning this day of crucifixion for thousands of years. And how many know that when God plans something, nothing happens by accident? God has this day planned, and we've already gone through how the crucifixion and the three criminal, I mean the three people that were there, Christ, and to two criminals, one on the left and one on the right. Jesus was in the middle. He's a mediator between God and man. And, and by, by the way, there's no middle road. There's no middle ground. You're either on the right or you're on the left. I've seen a lot of people try to go live life in the middle. No, Jesus is in the middle. We have to decide are we on the left or the right. We've got to get right with God or we'll get left. And I talked about how that he said the words, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And, and those who were being forgiven was Pilate, Sanhedrins. We know about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Roman soldiers, the criminals on his left and right. But he was also asking God to forgive us for our sins. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. And then I talked about the phrase that he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It talked about being forsaken. Jesus was the only man really ever forsaken by God. And it was because of our sin, the separation between God and man at that moment. And then I talked about why. Why he was forsaken. Talked about that last week. How that we would all love to, to stop and shout to Eve and Adam, stop, run, flee. And if we were to ask them, was that one moment worth it? They would say no. They would say no. And so I ask that about your life. Is one moment worth separation from God? It's not. And so today, I want you to take your Bibles in John, John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Say these next three words with me. When Jesus saw, that's important. That's the, that's the phrase of this message today. When Jesus saw, when Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Father, today, I want you to open our eyes so we can see. I want us to be able to see truth. I want us to be able to see life. I want us to see you 
And I pray today, God, that as this word comes forth, that the Holy Spirit would take every word and, and place it into every person's heart, however they need to hear it, so that, God, they know you are speaking straight to them today. Holy Spirit, I depend upon you. I do not want these to be mere human words, but I want these to be words empowered by the Holy Spirit because that is the only way we can see you as you see us. We thank you for all these things. And everyone said, Amen. Jesus saw. Most everyone wants to be noticed. Most everyone wants to be seen. When we come to church, we want somebody to see us, to say, hi, how are you doing? To shake our hands, to hug our necks, to, to be friendly. It's horrible to walk into a place and, and you feel like nobody sees me. Am I invisible? Am I here? Does anybody know me? Does anybody care? Because I'm walking by everybody and they're doing everything else with everybody else and I don't know if anybody sees me, but that day on the cross, amidst all this crucifixion, Jesus saw his mother. That word saw means this. He stared at his mother. He deliberately focused on his mother. In other words, there was really no other person in his eyesight. He was staring, deliberately focusing at her. Have you ever felt like somebody was staring at you? You ever felt that? It's kind of unnerving, isn't it? You just have that feeling somebody's staring at you. And, and what's even more unnerving is when you turn around and someone is staring at you. That's unnerving. It causes you to go, what in the world is going on? Because we really don't like getting locked eye to eye with most people. Most time we will avoid it. When somebody comes and they, and they looks at us, they look at us really close, we, we kind of turn our eyes away. We kind of avoid that one-on-one -on -one depth stare. Makes us feel uncomfortable. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sees us in our sin state. And he loves us. And he demonstrates love. Love is one thing, you know, to say you love. But when you demonstrate love, that's a whole nother level of loving, isn't it? And God says, I see you at your worst. I see you in your sin state, separated from me. I see you with all your stains and with all your imperfections, but I love you with that agape God-given love. He sees us and he loves us. And because of that, we receive God's grace, God's mercy, and most important, God's forgiveness. Aren't you glad for the forgiveness of God? He cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. We receive that and then God tells us, freely you receive, and now freely we forgive. I talked about the forgiveness, didn't I? How it's hard for us to give forgiveness, but we always want forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness. God sees us and gives us forgiveness. And he wants us now to see somebody else. Watch this. Luke chapter 5. Verse 27 and 28 says this. After this, Jesus went out and saw, he saw a tax collector. How many of you have been seeing a tax collector lately? We have. Yes. It's tax season. He saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. So this time of the year, taxes are getting ready. He set up shop. And Jesus said to him, follow me. 
follow me. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. So Jesus is walking along. This, this Levi guy's got his shop set up. He's ready to make a lot of money. This is his season. He's at the peak of his income. And Jesus walks by and deliberately stares at him, focuses on him. Can you, I, I begin to, can you imagine what it must have been like for the creator of all creation, for the God of all gods, the king of all kings, to look at you deliberately and stare right into your eyes? Can you imagine that? I can't imagine it. The powerful moment that must have exchanged between Jesus and Levi. He stared at him and then he said what? Follow me. Follow me. This is not just, okay, a whim, no. When, when Jesus said follow me, how many of you know that Jesus was often referred to as a rabbi, a teacher? And in those days, rabbis had students. They taught their students. And in order to be a student, you had to go through quite a process. You had to fill out applications. You had to go through a screening process. But you also had to memorize the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. How many of you have those first five books memorized today in order to enter the kingdom of God? Huh? Genesis, pretty good. That's pretty good reading. Exodus is phenomenal stuff. Leviticus kind of gets you bogged down, but then you got numbers. That's just not even part of my devotion most of the time. And then you got the one we try to hard, hard to spell Deuteronomy, you know. You got that one. You got to have all that done before you become a student. So when Jesus looks at Levi, he's a teacher, he's a rabbi, and Jesus doesn't use a screening process. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. He doesn't say you've got to be blonde haired, blue eyed, and six foot five, and you know, zero body fat and all that. No, he doesn't use a screening process. He doesn't say you've got to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Jesus stares directly into his eyes, looks at him intently, deliberately, and he says, follow me. How many of you are excited today that God just simply says, follow me, and we don't have to do anything because it's already been done at the cross. All we have to do is make one decision. Do I choose to follow Christ or do I continue to have my tax business here? Do I continue to serve myself or do I begin to enter a life of serving others? Because when Jesus said, follow me, he meant leave everything you have in this life, everything that you are doing, and I want you to come and live with me. See, Jesus wanted a student who would live with him, not just learn from him, but live with him so he could change the way he lived. When we are invited by Christ to follow him, he doesn't want us just to say yes and then go about our own business. There's gotta be a transformation, a change in our life. We cannot live the same way we were living yesterday because today I am following Christ. I wanna live with him. He wants to live inside of me and he changes the way I live. Now I've seen some people go, well, yeah, I accepted Christ and there was no change. Isn't there a difference between light and darkness? 
Isn't there a difference between truth and lie? Isn't there a difference between a child of God and one who is not a child of God? Absolutely. How do you tell? The way you live. Levi never sold any more taxes for a few years. He didn't worry about tax season. He was now changing the way he lived because he was following Jesus Christ. Christ today is calling all of us, don't just come and learn, don't just come and learn, the. but I want you to learn from me. I want you to sit at my feet and, and learn my methods and learn my message because I want you to see somebody else the same way that I saw you. How many of you are glad today that somebody saw you one day? I had a bunch of grandmas that saw me one day. And they wouldn't let me up from the altar until I became a follower of Christ. A Christ follower. I left all of my old life behind. I didn't do what I used to do. I didn't say what I used to say. I didn't think how I used to thought because I am now a follower of Christ. It changed everything. Jesus saw him. And Levi responded. I love that. He got up and he left everything. Why today does it cause us so much quandary that we've got to think about this for hours and weeks and months? Do I make this choice? How do I? Listen, it's life and death. It's eternity in the presence of God or an eternity separated from God. And God today sees you and he sees me. And he's wondering, what is your response? And if it's a response, he's saying, follow me. But, but I want to go over here and do this. No, 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 follow me. But, I, but I, I just want to go to church. He said, no, I want you to serve in my house. You see, everybody has a gift. I don't know if you know that or not. But if you're a child of God, every one of you have a gift. Yesterday we went to my grandson's first baseball game. And I want to tell you, I, want, I do not want to hear any more excuses about bad weather and coming to church. It was 20 degrees with a 175 mile an hour wind blowing out of the north. It was stinking cold. People are out there, they got tents set up with heaters in them watching eight-year-olds play baseball for hours. It was a tournament. Blankets, hand warmers, everything. Watching kids' baseball games. And all those kids. And I thought, every one of them has a gift. Some of them have the gift of catching. Some of them do not. <laughs> Some of them have the gift of running. Some of them do not. Some of them have the gift of hitting the ball. Some of them do not. But every one of you have a gift given to you by your father. And you've got to use that gift and follow him because he sees you. He got up and left everything. And I'm so glad today that he simply sees us and he calls us to follow. To follow meant to be an apprentice. You're my follower. You're my student. You're going to learn from me, but I'm going to change the way that you live. Wow. And Jesus still changes us today. Change. Change. Luke 13 Look at this. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. A woman 
crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he saw her. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up. But then she had to go get some lessons on how to worship and praise God. No. What happened? She straightened up and immediately she started doing what? Praising God. Wow. She did not need a piano and an organ. She did not need a light show. She did not need fog. She did not, oh, they got to sing my song. No. She was praising God. Why? Because of what he just did for her. What has God done for you? Mm. Let me let you settle that in. What has God done for you? Is it enough for you to shout and praise the rest of the day? No matter what kind of song they're singing. No matter what's going. Come on. What what has God done for you? He saw her. I'm going to get to preaching here in just a minute if you don't help me out. And we're going to be here a long time. He saw her. When he saw her, he called her to him. He wanted her to come out and he wanted her to be seen by everybody. I can imagine for 18 years she did not want to be seen. She wanted to kind of blend in the backgrounds. She's all humped over. She, can't, she cannot straighten up at all. The only thing she's been seeing for 18 years are her feet in the ground. And now all of a sudden she is now in the front of everyone, the center of attention. Listen, Jesus wants us to be seen, church. We are the light of the world. We're not to be walking around in darkness. We're lights. We're to be seen. And then he calls her out. We're called out, separated. We are the ecclesia of God, the church of God, those who have been separated out. And you know what he did? He touched her and straightened her life out. Hallelujah. She straightened up and then she started praising God. We cannot judge people today by how they praise and how they worship because you don't know what God's done for me. I tell you what, it doesn't take much. I can praise God in my shower. I can praise Him in the car. I can praise Him to country music, gospel music, uh, jazz music. It doesn't matter because i got a God who touched my life and straightened me out. And ever since that day, I want to give Him all the glory and all the honor and the power and the praise because he's worthy. He's worthy of it. He changed my life. I don't live like I used to. I am in light. I'm following Christ. And now I worship him with my life and everything I do. And so do you. You praise God. You know that you know that you know. Listen, we've all got a story but we've also got God's glory, amen? I'm so glad you don't know my story and I don't know yours, but I want you to see God's glory in me. I want you to see me, that whenever you see me, you see a reflection of my Father on me. And I want to see the reflection of my Father on you, His glory on you. Remember whenever my brother Moses came down from the mountain, the glory of God was on him? Man, I tell you what, today we ought to be excited. Well, well, Pastor, I got, a, I got a big bill. What has Jesus done for you? Electric bills aren't eternal. 
But hey, my name written in the last book of life. When I take my last breath or an angel shouts and a trumpet sound, baby, I'm out of here and I'm gonna shout and praise God forever and forever and I'll join with the thousands and the millions and the multitude of voices that sounds like the thunders and we're singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why? Because he touched my life and he straightened me out. Amen? Hallelujah. If you can testify, give him a hand clap of praise. Come on. Hallelujah. When God touches you, you will praise him because that's what he does. I, I understand personalities and I'm an introvert. You're looking at an introvert. You're looking at a kid that was always quiet and didn't want to be seen. You're looking at a kid that always wanted to be in the background. I didn't even want anybody to know my name because I didn't like my name. Who likes the name Richard? Me. <laughs> One of our pastors is Richard, yeah. Dwayne. I mean, there's so many jokes about Dwayne, Dwayne, bathtub, I'm drowning, all that kind of stuff. I was just like, huh. Why couldn't I have had a name like John or Steve or Bob or something like that? But then the people that have those names don't like those names either. And... But I tell you, when God touched me, He saw me and he touched me. He brought me out of all timidity. He brought me out and I said, hey, i got to praise my God. Get out of my way. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. i got to give God praise because I know my story. I know where I was and I know now where I am. I know who I was but I know who I am today and I'm a child of the King of God and I want to give him all the glory. And I, he straightened me out. Hallelujah. Anybody else been straightened out? here today? Praise God. He changes everything when he sees us and he touches us. Wow. Touch can do a powerful thing. But we can touch people in many ways. We can touch people with our words. We can touch them with our attitude. We can also touch them with our actions. Yeah. And God sees us today and he wants us to see somebody else. You see, it's not just enough for God to see us. We then begin to see other people. Let me show you how this works. John chapter 19, we're at the cross and it says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. I know Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. They remember the day he saw them. They remember that. That's why they're here at the cross. They remember when he deliberately focused his eyes on me. It changed my life. And I became a Christ follower. But today was not about Mary, wife of Clopas, and it wasn't about Mary, the, the, Mary Magdalene. It was about Mary, his mother. And the Bible says he saw his mother. There's a lot of relationships in life, but I don't know of any relationship stronger than a mother and son relationship. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful relationships we have other than our relationship with God. 
Now, you've got to understand that, that Joseph, Jesus' father, has already passed away. For the last few years, Jesus has been providing financially for his mom, Mary. And now he's on the cross and he, and he says, Woman, behold your son. Now listen, he's not talking about, look at me. He says, I want you to see John the Beloved. He is going to now be your son, Mom. And you know what, John the Beloved? I want you to see my mom. Because you need to see her. And John, from this day forward, you're her son. She is your mother. And he says, woman, behold your son. And now John, behold your mother. How do you know this is one of the most agonizing points of his life on the cross? At his most agonizing point on the cross, he is still seeing. His eyes aren't closed. He's not thinking about himself, but he sees his mom and he realizes that when I'm gone, no one's going to provide for my mom. She'll be without any kind of financial help. So he sees John the Beloved. He says, John, this is your mom now. Mom, this is your son. And he says, John, take care of my mama. And extra studies will tell us that Mary lived about another 11 years and John the Beloved took care of her for 11 years as he would his own mom because now this is his mom. He also took care of his family. But in addition to his family, he took care of Mary for 11 years. Jesus saw her and he says, I want to make sure she's taken care of. Jesus sees you today. And he says, I want to make sure you're taken care of. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And I am making sure that you are provided for today. And some of us today, we, we worry a lot about that. John didn't want his mom to worry about anything and, and, and John didn't want Jesus to worry about his mom. And uh, No, no, I, I've got this. John had done very well. John could afford this. And how many know today that we need to be able to understand that we have a father? We've got a brother right here on the cross and he sees us and said, I want you to be taken care of. And that's one of the greatest worries that we have in our life today is that we worry about what we will eat, what we will drink, and what we will wear and where we will live. And, and Jesus has already told us in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about those things. Because if I can take care of the flowers of the field and, and dress them, and if I, I know when a sparrow falls, I, I can take care of you. How do you know that God has the ability to take care of us? He has the ability to touch your life and to change you, to straighten you up, and to get you thinking right. Jesus is on the cross and in so much excruciating pain, and he saw Mary. Today, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's seeing every one of you. He's seeing me and what we're going through today. And he said, I've said it. I'm going to provide for you. I will make healing available for you. I will touch your life. I will straighten you up. I will straighten you out. I will provide everything that you need. You've just got to follow me and trust me. I'll change the way you live. Because you see, the world, all they're worried about is money, 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 money status, 
where they live and what kind of cars they wear and the clothes they have and all of that. Listen, we need to be worrying about are we following Christ? Is he leading my footsteps? Am I right there beside him? Are we walking through life together? Because he sees you. I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me right now because I want you to know that right now God is staring deeply and intently and deliberately at you. Right now. He's focused on you. On you and your life, all your thoughts, all your decisions, what you say, where you go, God. Sees us. For some people, it'll be uncomfortable for the next few moments. Don't turn your eyes unless you're turning them toward God. He sees you. And He loves you. That's the wonderful thing about the gaze of God is that He loves us. He sees us in our sin state. He sees us in our fallen state and He loves us. Thank God. He loves us. And He gives us grace and mercy and forgiveness. And He wants to touch our lives. He wants to embrace us, to hold us. I imagine that woman hadn't been touched for probably 18 years either. Yeah. Probably hadn't really had a good hug because she's so bent over and crippled. Can you imagine the moment she straightened up? I doubt there's a room she walked into that she didn't want to be noticed. She go, hey, I can, I can see your face. I can see your eyes. You didn't think I was this tall, did you? I'm sure she put on some higher heels and said, hey, wore some bright colors and I am in the house today. And I'm sure when she went to the to the synagogues to worship, everybody goes, hmm, it's going to be a good day today. <laughs> she just walked in the house. We know the praise is going to get on in her life. Let's get with her, amen. Let's join with her and let's praise our God today because look at what the Lord has done. Yeah. And when God touches your life, you don't look around at everybody else because they don't have your story. I got my story and I got God's glory. Because you don't know all he's done for me. Hallelujah. You can't sing it like I can sing it. And I can't sing it like you can sing it. But I know this one thing. He saw me. Would you stand with me this morning? Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.